you said you played D&D in college. Yeah. What did you like play as? What was your character? Oh, oh man, it's it was so boring. <laughs> <laughs> like I didn't grasp how much fun you could have with D&D at the time. Like I didn't know what I was getting into. I didn't know like you should come up with a character that'd be really fun to play. Like I was thinking of it as kind of like an action movie. Like I just want a character that can kick ass. So I'm going to mm-hmm. have a a human fighter with a lynx for a familiar i think is what it was (laughs) and there is it was just like he's above average at fighting and above average strength Uh, it sounds so stupid now like i My name is Steve Prescott, and for the past 25-ish years, I have been an illustrator and concept designer for tabletop and collectible card games. And that makes up about 98% of my job and what I do on a weekly basis. Steve is most well-known for his contributions to the beautiful and highly detailed fantasy art found in the wildly popular deck-building game Magic the Gathering. His art has also appeared as interior illustrations for many Dungeons & Dragons books, as well as Paizo Pathfinder, Werewolf, The Apocalypse, and Shadowrun. He was gracious enough to illustrate a completely original character based on the shrugging logo of the show, which is a terrifying skeleton creature holding a sword on the album art for this episode. It's one of the coolest things I've ever seen. So thank you, Steve. Again, I could not be happier with how it turned out. When you're creating art for something as extensive as magic that has so much art to it, how do you keep yourself inspired? When people ask me, you know, where where do I get inspiration from? I think they're expecting like, I look at armor and uh, models of dinosaurs or something like that. But really, like, I pull inspiration just from the natural world and and from music and from movies and, and even like writing styles and stuff like that. So I pull inspiration and it might not even be direct inspiration that turns into imagery but it might just be like i don't know fueling up my enthusiasm basically so i i pull so when they ask i think they expect that but i kind of hold myself back from giving them this longer answer that i i I like i like talking about those things i like talking about music even though I, i don't consider myself a an audiophile so to speak And if I'm not playing music, then I'm probably playing movies in my studio. So those are things like I actually, and maybe because I've talked about art so much in like interviews, you know, on a very narrow scope as to what, you know, the interview is about, like either magic or one of the games I work on. I like to, I like to talk about movies and music and national parks and hiking and backpacking, (laughs) like as much or more than talking about art. Because art is like, I love it. Like I get 
a, a lot of my soul is in it, and I that, that's that's my creative uh, outlet. But it's also work. So sometimes I like when I'm done with work, like I don't need to talk about it anymore. Like I'd rather talk about, hey, did you hike Canyonlands before? Yeah, I did too. So yeah, like a lot of those interviews, like I said, I just I I don't give them the the opening to talk about movies and stuff like that because I'm pretty sure they won't keep going down that path. They'll come back to to asking, you know, specifically about painting and the game I'm working on. From a standpoint of a fantasy artist, what movie have you seen that is just criminally underrated in terms of their character design or their enemies or what are people not talking about that they should be? Oh man, that is a good question. What would be a good movie that fit that? Maybe Apocalypto. Have you seen that? Oh, the Mayan. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I watched that a long time ago. It came and went. I, I mean, it got. You know, it got some acclaim for exactly why I like it. Like it was excellently directed and acted and had great cinematography and costuming. But I think because it was all subtitled and it didn't have, you know, it didn't have Tom Cruise or whoever in it, it kind of like came and went and the world moved on from it. But it is sensational. But I also love that kind of stuff. I love not specifically Mayan lore and, and the look of their, you know, their design elements and stuff like that. You know, worldwide, I like all that kind of stuff, like African and Native American and whatever, Celtic. Like, I just like uh, ancient design elements. But that one, like, really hit a sweet spot for me. And I could just, I wish I could play it in my studio more often, but it's distracting because... I'm used to just listening to people talking in English in the background while I'm working, but that one's all in, you know, an ancient Mayan uh, language. And also it's just distracting because it's so beautiful and I want to look up and watch, watch them march into the Mayan capital when they're, you know, taking the, the slaves up the ziggurat to get executed. <laughs> like there's just so much good stuff and just the costuming of the characters is so good unfortunately like i said i can't watch it that often because that's how i watch movies a lot of times these days like i just don't have time to sit down and watch uh but it's it's one of my favorites in that respect as far as like production value and costume design and i think i'll add this too and i won't go too far on a tangent um i know the pirates of the caribbean movies like they made a trillion dollars and everyone's seen at least the first three so they've gotten plenty of attention. It's not like they're flying under the radar. But those first three movies for me are like some of the best production value and character design. And they're so much fun that I watch those a few times a year. They're just like, it, it's one of the few movies that like I'm almost jealous, like viscerally jealous that I didn't get to also work on that movie. <laughs> <laughs> because it just looks like they had fun doing everything. And, and there's so much creativity in designing everything in those movies and it was just the right like mix of like realistic fantasy and based on a lot of like 
seamanship lore and stuff that I like to do. I like to take established things and kind of extrapolate and, and make them, you know, fit them into my universe or whatever game I might be working on. Uh, it hit all of those things right on the head for me. And I just, I've loved them more and more each time I've watched them. Like I saw them in the theater and thought those are really fun movies, but then kind of like let them drift away. But I got them on DVD and every time I watch them, I just, I love them more and more. I just, I'll notice some other detail about some whatever crustacean monster on Davy Jones' ship and be like, that is, that is awesome. Why couldn't I have been one of those people that helped design this? <laughs> Are you more of a hiking person, biking person, walking? What do you do? Hiking and kayaking. Like kayaking has kind of become my my little uh, release valve during the weeks now. Even more than hiking, because hiking I usually have to drive somewhere. I, I, I kind of calculate whether I can take my dog on the trails or not. But like I have a little group of kayaking friends, and if we can, you know, get out once or twice a week when the weather's halfway decent, then. And that's good. It's not even that much exercise. Like sometimes we'll just go out into the middle of a lake and just drift around and talk for a while, <laughs> just away from everything. But, but yeah, hiking when I'm traveling, it's definitely hiking. Like I, I, I'll look at the city that I'm going to for business or whatever. And then I'll just, I'll break down like, all right, can I get out of the city for a half an hour or to five hours and, you know, get a hike in through some, you know, part of the, the landscape that I've never been in before. I think it's it's my counter to to art. Like that's my recharge area is to go out in a boat or get out on a trail. Have you found yourself like on a hike and then you see something, you're like, oh I could put that and you like start beating yourself like no 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 <laughs> no don't no. start. I don't I don't say like <laughs> that's it. I'm not doing any art. I'm not talking about art. I, I definitely will think that I'll be like that rock is awesome. Look at the way the lichen is on that rock. You know, I, I won't like consciously like take a snapshot. I'll just remember like, oh, that texture was cool. And it, like, that's where the inspiration part comes from. It just kind of goes into whatever, like an inspiration reservoir. But yeah, all the time I'll think that like that tree is awesome or this landscape, the way the, the mountains in the background like turn purple or something. I'll just kind of add that to the mix. But you know, it's, it's not like I, it's not like I technically go out there looking to uh, to whatever record some inspiration for the next painting that I'm doing, nor do I like go out and say like, no, I'm just gonna do turn my brain off and not be creative because that's part of my my fabric, like that just never gets turned off. I mean, probably to a fault too. <laughs> like everywhere I go and everything I'm you know ingesting through my senses like just gets. It has to run through my artist filter, so to speak. Have you found that that's more useful or frustrating? Uh, I don't know if it's ever been frustrating. It may, maybe it's frustrating for people around me. <laughs> I don't know. But I like it. I like seeing the world like that. I know it sounds cliche, like artists see the world differently. But in that respect, you know, we kind of do like we're we're kind of like processing it as like this, you know, what I'm looking at is interesting or beautiful or interestingly hideous, maybe even. But it's also like, how, you know, could that be useful? Could I extrapolate on that? Is it just 
beautiful as it is like for a fantasy artist it's useful you know i'm always thinking like how could i apply that to something that doesn't exist that's just that's the nature of the job like how can that whatever the the fender of that car how could i make that into you know some weird armor or something like that so it comes in useful i don't know if there's ever been a time where it's frustrating where i'm where it's like making me anxious or or anything like that i just that's just the way i live i guess What are your favorite places? I mean, broadly, it's anywhere where there's just a, a massive expanse. Basically anything west of the Mississippi. <laughs> I like hiking most anywhere where you can just get away from normal human shenanigans. I've grown up in the Midwest, specifically in Ohio, my whole life. Like I'm used to this kind of somewhat hilly forested landscape with, you know, peppered with some muddy rivers here and there. So anytime where there's a different landscape that really, you know, excites me. You know, I like hiking mountains and oceanside and, and deserts, but more specifically, some of my favorite hikes were in Canyonlands National Park, just super alien deserty hot landscapes like that are really fun. pieces for D&D or magic cards that have been directly inspired by something you found while out hiking somewhere? I'm trying to think if there was. Not any, not too specifically. I, I think maybe in Dungeons and Dragons, I probably pulled some of my like love for the weird erosion rocks that you'll see in, in some of those parks in Utah. But in magic, it's much more likely I'll, I'll pull something from my home state, like just weird gnarled oak trees or, you know, leaf patterns and moss covered boulders and stuff like that is much more likely that I'll just, you know, use that visual. How does cosplay affect the art you're making are you ever thinking like ahead of yourself and going oh well when i'm designing this someone is eventually one day going to wear this <laughs> uh no actually as much as respect <laughs> and, and love cosplayers i i don't need like a, a that added pressure on there i'm already the pressure's coming from the wizards of the coast and the art director and me i don't need like also to to be like now could somebody actually wear this like my job <laughs> My job is to make it look cool in that scene and not worry about anything else. And usually cosplayers figure out a way anyway uh, to make stuff work, even if it has like some fantastical element that physically can't really work in the real world. They'll find a way to, to either circumvent that or 
or make it look floating. From what I've seen, there, I, there's been very few cosplays of anything I've specifically designed. But yeah, I, I can't have one more thing in mind <laughs> when I'm drawing stuff. You know, like if they said, we need this costume designed for this game, but it also has to be like, has to be able to work on a costume because we want somebody to be at this convention representing this game or something. I, then I would be all right with adding it to the mix. Like, all right, like now I have to think, you know, with a slightly different aspect, you know, to, to what can and can't work and function, but that has not come up yet. So we'll see. How does getting your commissions or your assignments work? They just email you something and tell you to draw it. Or what does that process look like? Yeah, I, sometimes it's much more broadly or, or, or openly described. And sometimes it's more uh, detailed. Like there might be a character in a piece that is a recurring character. So they'll give you art reference and be like, you have to have whatever. Tasha the elf <laughs> has to look like this so everyone knows that it's Tasha. Um, but Shadowrun, a lot of that, there weren't any recurring characters. So their art notes were pretty vague. Like I think a lot of them just, it, a lot of times it was just flavor to enhance, you know, the manual and just make the manual visually pleasing instead of just having a bunch of text in it. So as I recall, and it's mind you, it's been a while, a lot of those were just like, we need a half page here you know we need whatever three half pagers in this book and one full page and some of them were had more description than just nothing and the one i'm thinking of it was like actually a group picture and i think it was it was something like show a group of Shadowrun adventurers in a in a gun shop or an equipment shop something like that like an underground equipment shop and you know, have some guns on the wall, like for sale, and they have all purchased their new weapons. So they look happy about that, something like that. Like it, it'll, it'll leave plenty of room for me to interpret the scene, you know, and put my own uh, trademark on it. I saw in one, I saw one interview you did, I don't remember where it was. You struggled with, I, I believe the example you gave was like, show time melting away or something like that. Are there any that you get, like any commissions that you read and you're just like, I have no idea what they're expecting me to draw for this? Um, <laughs> there hasn't been any for a while. Um, I think they've kind of realized my strong suit isn't necessarily super abstract stuff like that. Like there are artists that are great at that, that do the, the abstract, like just show time changing. <laughs> something really vague like I'm more of a make character look really you know appealing give a character lots of characters is, is more my strong suit so I, a lot of my stuff will will stay in that vicinity but there's been there has been art description where like as much as I welcome almost any challenge like I actually like It'll, it'll get my gears going. 
like the, the more challenging a piece is like i like getting all the weird ingredients like in that show chopped and just trying to make a dish out of it but there's been a couple there's usually one or two a year where i'm like holy crap is that a lot of stuff that i have to orchestrate <laughs> like it would just be so many elements like show this glowing spell and the person is jumping off a rooftop and and there's also a dragon crashing into a tree in the background you know there'll just be like all these elements and i have to make it especially with magic i have to make it read right away you know at at the size of whatever like an inch and a half by an inch and three quarters like it has to read and have all those details visible and it'll take me a while to be like is this going to be the one time i ask my art director can we change some of this stuff or am i going to be able to pull this off am i going to be able to like place all these shapes in just the way right way that everyone can see that these are all the actions that are going on now it's not necessarily abstract it's just a lot that i have to deal with and really think out and work out on paper and thumbnails and stuff like that it's a challenge <laughs> especially catering to like the type of i guess fans of dungeons and dragons and magic and shadowrun do you ever have issues appeasing nerds with continuity and like do you ever draw something slightly different once they're like no that's not how that spell looks uh no not not in that like kind of nerd trope way where the guy comes along and pushes his glasses up his nose and is like, you know, that's not how armor works. <laughs> but I have read that like long ago when I used to Google search my name and just find out like what artwork out there do people, you know, respond to or is there like a lot of the time I'd like look just to see if like a piece of artwork that I did has finally been released, like been spoiled. And then inevitably I'd end up in some forum that would be talking about like least favorite artist or something like that kind of cuts a little bit. And so every once in a while I'd run into someone or run into, you know, a comment that's just like that armor was stupid. There's no way anyone would wear that. Or speaking of Shadowrun, one of my favorite comments that I, that I stumbled upon was uh, Steve Prescott single-handedly ruined Shadowrun. <laughs> <laughs> Did they bother explaining further? No, I, I don't think so. <laughs> uh, I actually, I don't like those kind of comments that are so like hyperbolic, make me laugh more than they like hurt my feelings or anything. I don't, I, I have a, you have to have a thick skin for that. Cause I mean, like they say, art's in the eye of the beholder. Some people are going to like it. And some people like to voice extreme opinions on the internet. so it doesn't bother me but but yeah i haven't really had anyone like complain that i haven't represented chandra or garrick in the in the right light because usually that's caught by the art director the art directors know how they want to present these really popular characters and so they're like the filter between the artist and you know it going to production and being seen by 
by the fans. They're the ones that'll stop and be like, you know, Chandra, you know, she doesn't look that old. She looks younger. Or Garrick, you know, he needs to look bigger and his, you know, he didn't get some of the details right on the helmet. So like they'll, they'll catch any of that stuff. And anything that they, if they feel they want to update some of the characters, and I'm sure that doesn't go over well with some of the, some of the really devout fans of certain characters, but that's a that's a, a product choice. That's a very specific choice from the the game designers and the art directors to make characters look different. Whatever take take that initial barrage of flack from people that want certain characters to always be exactly the same. <laughs> There's a lot of well, specifically with Shadowrun, because it's been going on for so long, nostalgia yeah. associated with these characters. And so if, if you are the artist that goes on and creates something, that could be what causes, like, you know, AJ Shadow Knight 1998 to go online and say Steve Prescott single-handedly ruined Magic the Gathering. <laughs> oh, yeah, exactly. Exactly. Just, you won't be able to appealed to everyone because if you keep everything the same then you have all the other people that are like you know this has just been the same for the last 15 years so you just have to do what's best for you have to evolve i mean your, your game and your art and all that has to evolve and to keep being exciting so i i, I don't let it drag me down How have you found your like art style evolving since like the black and white shadow run versus all the way up to like the fully painted watercolor magic cards? Uh, it's pretty interesting when I look back at my old stuff, you know, back when I was doing white wolf and, and shadow run in the mid and late nineties, like I kind of like seeing that my, my voice has remained fairly consistent. Like I have my, you know, my roots are looking at comic books. So I kind of started to draw with a comic book flair, I guess, for like semi-stylized, like not super cartoony, but not super realistic either. I just, I kind of like, I like dwelling in the, in the area between those two so I can get away with exaggerated poses and exaggerated facial expressions. So that has, has pretty much always remained the same, even though I've like I've gotten better. Like I've, I've, I've refined the way I've made images. Um, with magic, they have a much more realistic look, you know, more of a cinematic look. So I, I can kind of tweak up or, or I guess tamp down like my normal over-exaggeration to make it fit in with the rest of the art. So like I can veer a little bit in a certain, I guess certain ways of making artwork depending on the product that I'm working on. I'm not definitely not a realistic painter, but I can ratchet into that direction to fit in with magic. So it hasn't necessarily affected the the energy. I like to use the word energy for my for my artwork because I like I like making that consistent. If I'm making an image, I'm like, is this exciting? Like, is the energy here that I want it to be? And then I kind of build off of that. That base style has always remained pretty consistent. I just you know I've increased my my skill level in making images and you know my technique too like the way I painted early in the 21st century with old D&D &D stuff and, and even older magic stuff 
my approach was a lot different as far as painting and I kind of gained confidence using the medium and now I paint differently but I like that it all looks like the same artist like I I didn't have to change my my technique or my style completely at, at any point because I don't think I can actually I I think I just this is how I make images and this is you know the character and the voice and the heart that I put into it and there's I can't really become a completely different artist like I don't think I could stop doing this and you know make artwork a, a completely different way Do you play your own games? I uh, I don't know. I'm I'm not. I think at some point in time I realized that strategy games weren't my my jam, and I just would rather prefer be on being on the creative side than on the the recipient of the product side. I don't like. I don't hate them. Like they're just. I appreciate how awesome Magic is and and how like revolutionary Dungeons and Dragons was for like the world basically as far as like game playing like i said before when we were talking about outdoor stuff like when i'm done painting and drawing for the day i'd rather go kayaking because then you're just you're you're essentially you're back at work you're looking at your art again yeah I, but but that's just me like i have a lot of friends who are neck deep in it like they love not just making the images for the game or being art directors or whatever you know behind the scenes job they do but they also love playing it it's really awesome to see how passionate everyone is that works out there on the game like they spend whatever 50 hours a week working on the game on the visuals on gameplay you know they're having whatever 70 meetings a, a day it seems because it's a it's a corporation and then they'll like get together on during lunch or on fridays and they'll play the game that they worked on all week so it's, it's awesome to see that, like that's how passionate they are about the product that they're working on. But yeah, that's just, it's just not my thing to, to also play, you know, play the game. Now, if they were to have movies or a TV show or something with um, magic, like I'm all over it. Like I'd love to see, I'd love to see storytelling and the, the world expanding in that way, but I don't need to participate. Like I just, my brain wants to do other things, I think. There's a really unique responsibility making art for D&D as opposed to magic or something that's physical that you're holding, that you're looking at. Everything in D&D happens in your mind. Yeah. And that means it's so much more important to create these mental images that people are using to build entire worlds in. Yeah, yeah, sure. They're... They're, I mean, people strive when they're coming into the industry. They're, a lot of them will say, like, I want to work on D&D. I played D&D. I grew up with that artwork. I want to also do that. Or, you know, conversely or or, or parallel to, they'll, they'll say the same thing about magic. Like, oh, I've been looking at magic cards since I was five. Like, this is just what I love so much. And, and that's, like, in their hearts, at least in the short term, a lot of, fans slash 
upcoming artists like they think that's the pinnacle of making fantasy art which and and if it is if that's the pinnacle for making artwork for some people that that's perfectly fine because it's a fantastic job and you get to draw cool stuff but it, I, there is that pressure it doesn't necessarily like weigh on you to the point where you you choke at the foul line basically when you look at all the other artists that have worked on those products and are currently working on it you like you you want to you know get your a game going like it, it inspires you like if you're you just look at any set of magic and you're like holy crap some of these artists are just they're considered masters of if not fantasy artwork of just like illustration in general you know there's some artists that are working on the game that you're working on that'll have cards in the very set that you're working on that are like flagship illustrators for the game so there's it's not it's almost more pressure the the peers that are around you making artwork than it is you know gargantuanness of the game you know weighing down on you but there's that's a plus and a minus like you can take it a little bit of stress but most of the time i think most artists you know they'll, they'll feed off of that like you always want to be pushed by the other artists that are not only like peers at your level so to speak but also you know the artists that you've looked up to for years or decades that's that's that goes into the the same line of thinking as self-motivation you kind of like get the motivation externally as well does doing it for work take away the fun of doing it for fun do you ever draw for yourself anymore uh of course like all these questions i'll give you a long answer <laughs> <laughs> Yes, to to an extent, it definitely like makes me want to step away, and I, I don't do a whole lot of drawing for myself because there's just you kind of teach yourself that the motivation is the product and the deadline and, and a paycheck. And there was a time when I realized that years had gone by and I hadn't really finished. Like I I'd done some doodles and like started little paintings here and there, but I'd never or not never but i it had been years since i like finished anything for myself and that's because like i kind of replaced all the motivation factors with business motivation factors and so it was hard to like remain focused i would start a painting and i'd have another job and that job like also had fun stuff to do but it has also had a deadline and a paycheck so i better work on that so i it was easy to switch off of doing work for myself and just keep doing work and I was getting it consistent enough that I never had like really downtime to I don't know sweat it out and be like I better you know make start making artwork for myself if I'm not doing work I might as well you know make some artwork I didn't have like those large gaps in my schedule to uh to get that kind of self-focus for a while so at some point again this is probably about 10 years ago or so I, I realized like I know I have to I have to see if I can finish something on my own, you know, you know, still be motivated by just the joy of, of making a piece of artwork rather than just a deadline and a, and a paycheck and, and, you know, other people's ideas for the most part. So I like, I slogged through a painting and, and I was like, all right, I finished it. You know, it's pretty good. Like I can do this. And that kind of like that door that had rusted shut, you know, I jarred the hinges and was able to, 
to like access that once again. So now I, I kind of make it a point not with that, you know, consciously, like I better every once in a while, I better sit down and do some artwork for myself. But I do, I do make sure that I do a couple things a year that are just without business in mind, without the stress of like, all right, can I make prints of this and sell it? Like, does this need to be, you know, in a book of artwork down the road sometime? Cause that will burn me out. And it, it has burnt me out before when I started thinking that way, like that every mark I make has to benefit me financially in some way. That'll run me into a ditch quickly. So I, I make it a point now to, usually it's like a Christmas card or, or like, you know, a friend will want a tattoo design and they'll want to pay me, but I'd rather actually just do it without having to worry about, you know, any other factor other than like, let's make something cool for somebody. Let's make a piece of artwork just for the sake of it being enjoyed by somebody and not being part of like the, the, the business cloud that I'm always trying to see through. Uh, so it, I don't do a ton of it outside of work just because I put a lot of energy into the work that I do. So I don't have a lot left over. Like I'll take sketchbooks on my trips and vacations and I'll almost never draw on them. Like I just have them nearby in case I really feel like doing that, like whatever sketching on a plane or something. But I rarely, I rarely do stuff uh, uh, just freely. I know a lot of artists do that. It's just, it's, it's more my thing, I think, to pour as much energy as I can into the moment, into the, you know, the job or whatever, the little like personal side jobs and to, you know, step away and recharge and refresh my brain outside of that. Do you think there's even a remote possibility that there's a realm somewhere where Steve Prescott isn't a fantasy illustrator? There was never a single second where I thought that, like regretted it and thought I should have had a different career path. A lot of that is because I'm not sure what else I'd be doing. And sometimes I'll like entertain the thought of like, if I wasn't doing anything creative in any way, like if you took away any creative outlet, like be it, you know, writing or I don't know, being in a band or something, even though I have no musical talent whatsoever. If there's no creative job, if I just had to have some other job all of a sudden in the blink of an eye, then I'd, I'd probably be like a river guide, I think. <laughs> I would just want to like strap people into their, their PFDs and put them in kayaks and, or on the rafts, you know, and, and send them down through the rapids, I think would just be, like I kind of wish that I did that as my summer job through college and I that, that's as far as like job regrets that's really the only thing that I, I wish I could have changed but I definitely don't think that I'd rather be doing that than than making artwork I don't think I'd be doing nearly as much artwork if I if I would like just chose a different career path but still had like the creative juices and, and did drawing like I I can't picture myself like churning out as much content, so to speak. Mainly, and maybe that's just a time factor, but uh, I'd still draw, but, but I think the doors that have been open and the motivation and the fun of working on all these games and stuff has probably 
like had me make so, so, so much more artwork than I would have if I was just whatever, running a food truck and drawing in the evenings. <laughs> Do you have any of your artwork like in your house? Is it something you enjoy looking at? Yeah, uh, it, it, it takes a while sometimes because in the moment of making the artwork and finishing it, like I'm in a mode of constantly, just constantly scanning it for things that aren't working. Uh, so sometimes I, I cannot look at a piece of artwork that I've done for a while after that, because I still am looking at it with critical eye mode on where I'm just like, ah, oh, you know, I should have lowered the horizon line on that, or I should have added one more element in this corner or something like that. Like I still like, that's the fallback <laughs> for looking at my artwork. So it takes a while of it being out of my sight before I can come back to it and, and like appreciate like, all right, this, this definitely shows that I'm a better artist when I made this than I was five years ago or 10 years ago or whatever. And there's a lot of fun stuff that if I wasn't the artist that made this and I looked at this, this is a fun piece of artwork. Like I, I'm responding to this and I kind of like take a, a couple seconds there to give myself a pat on the back. Like, all right, you did, you did a pretty good job there, kid. <laughs> uh, so I, like a lot of my artwork that I have, I do have a bunch of stuff hanging in my studio area. And some of that is because I genuinely like, you know, this is a, this is a nice piece of art. I'm proud that I was able to paint this way and like be this loose, but also refined in this piece. And some of it is just, I'm storing the artwork and it's better than putting it in a box. Like I might as well just have it out. If somebody visits me, they'll see the artwork. So it's still like more, it's more hanging in the house for other people to see rather than me to come by and make sure my, I still have a little bit of an ego instead of constantly like beating myself, like you should be doing better and you should be working faster. And sometimes I can, I can take that artwork, you know, I can, I can, if somebody uh, requests, you know, like, do you have this piece of artwork? So I can just take a real quick picture of it on my wall and be like, yeah, this is what it could look like hanging in your house. You should buy it. <laughs> I think uh, as far as my career, I'm, I'm proud, and we touched on this a little bit earlier, I'm proud that I bring a certain energy to my artwork that thankfully, like people really respond to, and it's been consistent. And, you know, it, I don't get bored with it. Like when I'm creating a piece of artwork, I, I want a certain energy. I want there to be character in it. I want the people to like respond to whatever character or characters are in it. And, and I think I've even heard it from some of my art directors a while ago. Like even when I do creepy stuff, it's still appealing in some way. It's still fun and not in a goofball way, but there's still some kind of like, I don't know, some element to the, to the monster that's supposed to be disgusting and it's supposed to turn people off, but people still like respond like, oh, I love that thing. I love that creepy, weird monster. And I kind of, cause I, I like my default is to be humble and to be self-deprecating to a certain point. So I, I used to brush it off, you know, 
most of the time when people would say that, but I kind of welcome it now that like, that's my, my strength and that's what people come to my artwork for. And that, and I'm thankful for that because that's, like I said before, I, I, like, that's my heart and soul that I'm putting on, on paper or on, you know, the canvas that I'm painting on. So that, that I'm not, uh, going so far out of my way and out of my comfort zone and like like the, the stuff that I love the best is what people the viewers of my artwork love the best like that keeps me going that you know that's the warmest part of the job and, and so I can deal with all the frustrations of you know I wish I could paint like this other artist like I just can't see the color the same or you know not getting the composition that I want or you know there's just not the same sheen as as I'd like to get, like I can deal with all those normal artist self-critique things if I feel like I'm getting across my voice and, and the energy that I want and all the character that I want in a piece and that I can still, you know, make a living at it. <laughs> there, there was a time, maybe, I don't know, not that long ago, let's say six, seven years-ish ago, it felt like kind of a, uh, a midlife crisis with my career, not like overwhelming where I was just like, I had to shut down. But there was a time when it, like I was really like, I was kind of frustrated with work and it was, it was like the jobs that I was getting and what I viewed as the quality of the pieces I was turning out. It felt like there was kind of a dip in the energy and I started to question like, do I need to, a change of venue, not necessarily to just become a completely different artist, like whatever, like a glass blowing artist or something, but, but uh, more like, do I need to do my own thing for a while? Uh, you know, or do I need to work on a different game or should I, you know, I, I looked into lightly, like, do I want to tell stories with children's books or something? So there's a couple of years there where I kind of like had, had low energy level about about this career and and I did question like do I want to keep doing this or you know most most artists move on to other stuff right like that's just a natural procession of things but I, I'm not sure how it turned around but I just started to get more energetic about the jobs that I was getting like I just it kind of went away I don't know it was like having one of those low-grade colds where you just kind of like feel like crap for a few days and and you question whether you're only ever going to get well again <laughs> like oh it's been two days i'm probably going to be sick forever i guess but then it kind of just drifted away and i feel as good as i have about doing this kind of stuff uh since i started doing it like it's just it's fun and, and i think it's because the jobs have had enough variety and the, you know the further in my career i get the more people that want to hire an artist and want to hire me specifically are, are realizing like my strong suits and what, you know, when my, what kind of piques my interest and what, what kind of jobs will get, you know, great product back to them. So they, they're giving me fun stuff that's keeping it fresh. And yeah, just right now, like I can, I can still do this for a while because it's, it's just fun. I'm able to go on vacation and stuff with with what I'm doing and I love my my fellow artists out there so it's just all around it's a very 
satisfying and gratifying career. That Means Nothing to Me is recorded and produced in Audacity on a Yeti Blackout Omnidirectional mic. All of our music credits can be found in the show notes. Special thanks go to Steve Prescott, not only for taking the time to appear on the show, but also creating a completely original zombie lord shrug character, which you can find in high definition on the show's Instagram. Small side note, I am super excited to announce that the host and editor of the show, me, has enrolled in audio production and recording arts degree at a local college, so new episodes of the show might slow down a bit, but they're going to be really good. So thank you for all the well wishes so far, and I can't wait to actually know what I'm doing. Thanks again for listening. This episode is dedicated to Tice, Indy, Brunhilde, Wyla, Sky God, and Alejandro. We miss you, AJ.